Taking off in five, four, three, two. Yo, 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 it's your boy, T-O, as you know. It's your boy, Fake O-Rain, real name, Addy Play, all games, all gimmicks. There you go. It's a motherfucking fade podcast. your one-stop shop for everything TV, media, film related, along with the only goddamn thing we're going to talk about. Coming to you live, direct, not in the heart studios. We are coming to you live and direct from our new studio today. Uh, the yet-to-be-named studio. Uh, promise the name is on its way. But in either case, uh, we have our our resident... Uh, 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 I was about to say Mr. Filler, but somehow that sounded gross and dirty. So I'm, I'm going to avoid that. Uh, all together, we've got our, our new uh, uh, Addy Play here, uh, filling in for uh, Orain. Uh, he is out today, but he will uh, potentially, hopefully, be back <laughs> next week. Uh, but uh, but yeah, uh, this is our first recording in the new studio, which is not even remotely close to being finished uh, as far as uh, being put together. Uh, but uh, I'd like to thank you, Addy, for joining me on this first episode from the new new uh, new digs. Bro, you had uh, three months to get the studio ready, and it's still not ready. But I will give you this. I'm if you want to, you can name it Mr. Filler Studios. No, no. Yeah, we're not doing that. <laughs> uh, that, I, you know, that would immediately turn people off. So people would be like, uh, no, I'm not into porno, you know, <laughs> uh, unless it comes from Pornhub. So, so we're not going to watch your show because of that. Um, but uh, but yeah, man, without a moment to waste, man, let, let's just get into the shit. Uh, we've got a nice rundown for you today as far as, uh, you know, uh, the content for the show. Uh, we are going to do our press play on the new Netflix film Mank uh, from uh, from much acclaimed uh, director David Fincher. Uh, we've got uh, we're going to talk about uh, some trailers. Uh, one of the main ones is going to be uh, this new Wendy Williams trailer, which I'm sure we'll both have very strong feelings about. Uh, we're going to talk about, uh, uh, you know. Warner Brothers uh, and how they're they're uh, apparently they're fucking up the game for everybody, you know, uh, all the movie theaters. But uh, but we'll we'll jump into why that's kind of bullshit uh, later on, uh, and then we'll of course talk about uh, our, our newly introduced uh, Elliot Page. Uh, big news from this this past week in the uh, the, the film and TV world. Uh, and then we're gonna we're gonna end on a very very interesting note. We're gonna talk about our uh, there. There's an interesting conversation between Shannon Sharp and uh, Morris Chestnut, and they were talking about the five uh, or, or their top five hood classics. So we're gonna compare their list uh, and probably more or less just <laughs> talk about our list for what our top five hood classics are. Uh, but without further ado, we're just going to jump into the shit. Uh, and ladies and gentlemen, uh, just like always. Uh, yeah, indeed, we do indeed have another one. Another one. Another one. Another one. Uh, we have another plus play, uh, plus play. I can't even speak. I'm so fucking excited. I can't, I can't even talk. Uh, we've got another press play for you guys. Uh, this time we are talking about, uh, the film Mank. Uh, and, uh, this is from director, uh, uh, David Fincher, uh, and is written by Jack Fincher, uh, Fincher, who of course is his, his, his father. Uh, but without mincing any words, let's just jump into it here. Um, what was the most relatable, what aspect of this movie do you find did you find most like relatable? What what spoke to you the most 
out of the whole thing. I mean, if we're talking about relatable, I did not find any part of this movie relatable. Fair enough. There was just nothing. Okay. There was nothing to to me personally as a white Caucasian male, which this movie was 100% about, I found nothing to relate to. But were there good parts about it? You know, specifically talking about the plot. I mean, sure. I actually literally marked down at which point I kind of got into the movie, which was around the 33 minute and 45 second mark, which uh, I, I believe that's when they... Um, they made the switch over to uh, the uh, MGM Studios uh, scenes. It's it's a slow burn of a movie. Like I I, I found myself uh, trying really really hard to get through it. Um, there was nothing really to the plot that that I liked, and I really caught myself asking myself, and then thinking I'm probably going to have to ask you, why was this movie made? Other than Oh, it was his father's script and it just was, you know, getting postponed and he just finally had convinced someone to let him make it for $20, 30000000 million. But I, I really found nothing that was too appealing about the movie. Now, when I say that, like, don't get me wrong, like the movie is still watchable. You can watch this movie. There are some entertaining parts, but man, like the, the, uh, when, like, what, what was this? Like the forties, um, the uh the kind of like witty back and forth um you know that uh that style of uh filmmaking um and writing really that was used back then uh it was just drawn out at times i mean uh, l- l- looking back at some of the uh, scenes like the, the the scene where he takes um uh, uh amanda seifert's character out or uh, he follows her out and they go for a walk and they're having that uh conversation between each other it was long it was drawn out i mean i just I found myself, one, I had to go and get a snack because it was like 12 o'clock, you know, midnight and I needed to stay awake. So the way I stay awake without staying awake is eating. <laughs> so I had some, uh, you know, some, 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 some good snacks to get me through this movie. But yeah, there, there was nothing really relatable about it. I somewhat enjoyed it towards the back end. It kind of got pretty good, but there really wasn't anything to really hold me in this movie, hold my uh, attention span. I honestly took a bunch of notes because, well, I had the time. I wasn't really paying attention to this movie. It's just kind of how it went. All right. State exactly how you feel. (laughs) Um, So uh, I'm going to have a different approach here. Uh, I think the approach that I'm going to take is... um, I actually did find this movie pretty like relatable uh, in, in the aspect of um, you have this, uh, this this main character that is basically wholly like not necessarily like unlikable, but I guess that's how he's supposed to be sort of made to be. Right. Um, and. And he kind of gets in his own way pretty much like all the time. Right. Like that's that, that's the basic like crux of. Um, uh of the film is, is that you, you, you have this, um, you, you have the screenwriter, Herman Mankiewicz, uh, who, uh, you know, he, he's kind of, uh, he's a drunk, you know, he's, uh, he, he's constantly fucking boozed up, you know, and, and that causes him a lot of issues, you know, professionally, personally, uh, and instead of kind of like correcting the ship, instead of, you know, 
working on himself. He's just kind of like leans into himself uh, a, a majority of the time. And, um, and, and, you know, even towards the, the, the end of the film, you think, okay, maybe he's going to find some sort of like salvation sort of moment here, but he never really actually does. He kind of is just always him uh, throughout the course of the film. And, um, and, and it, you, you know, like uh, there's this quote at the end of the movie, it goes something to the tune of like, um, you know, he, he, you know, he says like, he, oh, he like made his own maze. Uh, and every time that there's like an opportunity for him to get out of that, that, that maze, um, he spent time like repairing it so that he would ensure that he would never get out of the maze, which I, I feel like is, is a pretty like relatable thing to me where I feel like, uh, a lot of the times, a lot of the mistakes that I make in life, instead of like helping myself out by, <laughs> by doing things differently, I just kind of like lean into it and make it like worse, you know, or, or, or like constantly put myself back into those situations that, you know, that make life a, a little less pleasant. So I think that's what I found most, uh, I, I guess, relatable, uh, uh, about the movie. Um, but, uh, but in speaking like strictly about the, the plot, what was your, what was your, you know, outside of your not fondness of it, what was your takeaway from the plot of the film? I mean, I, the plot was okay. Uh, again, it was, it was kind of like, I was always asking myself, why was this movie made? You know, um, I, I I see what you're saying about the relatability and I can see how, you know, uh, that can relate to, you know, the common man overall. But when I look at this plot and, you know, him writing this masterpiece or that's, you know, soon going to be the masterpiece, uh, you know, Citizen Kane, um, uh, it felt like they were trying to put way too much into something that didn't need a whole lot. Um, if they would have made this movie in about an hour and a half, hour, 40 minutes, you know, cut out some of the long drawn out scenes, um, you know, that he had between him and some of the characters, maybe it would have felt better. You know, like I didn't necessarily enjoy uh, his, um, his, uh, or I should say Gary Ullman's and uh, Amanda Seyfried's um, chemistry. I know a lot of people, when I read some of the reviews, they love their performances. The chemistry that they had between themselves, I just didn't feel it. I actually enjoyed um, Ullman's and uh, Lily Collins's uh, chemistry on screen a whole lot more. Um, I did enjoy that uh, part of the plot, you know, while Lily Collins's character coming in, you know, doing all the, uh, the, the, uh, whatever it's called uh, where you know, she, she's just basically writing everything word for word for him. Um, you know, the little side story that she has with her, you know, uh, husband being away uh, at war. And then, um, you know, the, the, the letter that she gets in the beginning of the, uh, the, the plot, uh, the story, and then, you know, uh, finding out at the end of it that, you know, he's still alive. You know, I, I enjoyed that little bit of it, but the plot overall, it's an old genius of a man writing What's soon, or at I guess at some point in film history, going to be considered the greatest, you know, film ever. But apart from that, it had nothing. It was two hours, eleven minutes of a whole lot of nothing. Yeah, I, th- I think I can kind of not explain. Like obviously, I, I, I you know, I don't know the deep reaches of, of why exactly. You know, Fincher thought. You know, obviously, it has something to do with his dad, and you know, uh, he must have thought it was a good story period in order to do it. Um, but I, I think maybe one of the reasons that, you know, this film may be attractive to people is, is that, uh, uh, people love m- movies about Hollywood, right? Like, you know, uh, when, um, when Tarantino came out with, 
uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, everybody fucking like everybody, at least in Hollywood, lost their minds. Oh, my God, we love it. It's, you know, look at this and look at that. Look at, you know, how they portrayed all these characters. And, you know, was it accurate? And it's just like everybody else is like, I mean, it was cool. You know, it was, it was all right. You know, but but Hollywood definitely fucking loved the movie because it was about Hollywood, you know. Uh, and, and so anytime you you have, you know, that sort of combination of a, a, a great director uh, and a film that, uh, you know, a, a, a film that is an ode to Hollywood, uh, you're, you're, you've got yourself a really, you know, a, a can't miss uh, uh, recipe, you know, as, as far as, uh, you know, being adored by, you know, the rest of Hollywood. So, uh, so when you ask, you know, why this movie was made, I would say that it was in part, obviously, because I'm sure, you know, Fincher, you know, wanted to, uh, you know, give obviously a, a huge nod to his, his, his father, but, also because it's a Hollywood movie. So it's, it's kind of like, yeah, duh. Yeah. We're going to you know, jerk ourselves off here, you know, a little bit with the, uh, with the film. Um, and, and I'm not even saying that's like a bad thing, right? Like, you know, people love hearing things about, you know, their, their craft and, uh, you know, going back to sort of where it all sort of began, um, is, is always like, it's a, it's a theme obviously in like in movies, right. Of, of going back to where it all started. And, and every time that we get one of these movies, that's like a throwback to some sort of form of time in Hollywood. Um, it, it really is just, a, a a going back to the roots of Hollywood, right. It's, it's exploring what, you know, what ultimately transpired and, and, and having different people analyze it and, 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 uh, talk about like what it means and and you know whatever and obviously you know and you know for the life of me i don't know why or, or I, guess, I guess i shouldn't say i don't know why i i like I, I kind of know why but um citizen kane is you know considered to be the greatest film ever right like i, I think that's a pretty inarguable like yeah. statement right that many consider it to be one of the greatest films uh i don't uh, uh, mostly because when I watched Citizen, and I've watched Citizen Kane maybe two or three times in, in my life, uh, but w- when I watch it, um, I just never get it. Like, and and I know that makes me stupid. That makes me a dullard. I, I get it, but also it's just a long fucking movie about God knows. Like, it it actually mirrors Mank in a way of it just being really long, and you're just like, get to the fucking point. Now that might just be a condition of us, you know. You know being us right of of you know uh being spoiled by movies that are like fast paced and you know from this cut to that yeah. cut and you know having dialogue you know be kind of like a, a backseat to like you know the camera movement um so that that might be maybe like a you know a reason for that but i just yeah every time i watch citizen kane i just don't really <laughs> care for it uh nor do i consider it to be you know one of the the you know, the greatest spectacles of, of Hollywood, but also I'm from a completely different generation. So it's, it's hard for me. It's, it's like music, right? Like it's, it's like whenever, you know, there's somebody from an older generation, like, man, you kids don't even know what music is, you know? And they turn on a fucking like eight track or something like they're like, ah, you know, listen to this. And you're like, I mean, you can't skip any songs. I can't, you know, fucking, (laughs) I can't, you know, fast forward this. I just have to listen to the entire fucking thing, uh, you know, and and so maybe it's just that different generational divide. Anyways, um, let's. It's possible that it is a bit of a generational divide. I will agree with you that it is difficult to sit through 
Citizen Kane, watched it all the way through. Last time I watched it, I think it, I was like in 11th grade and it was in high school because uh, they just like it was end of the year and they needed to get us through like the last two weeks and there was no work. So they put Citizen Kane on. Yeah. But uh, I will disagree that I don't think a lot of I don't think movies can transcend generations the way music can. Um, mm. and, and obviously we're not going to get off topic here, uh, talking about music, but in particular with this movie that, you know, a large majority, especially of the film world considers the, this to be the greatest movie ever made. And you and I are watching and we're just like, I get it, but I can't agree with you that it's the greatest thing ever made. I can see how it was transcending at the time. Um, just kind of like when Blair Witch came out and everybody was like, oh, this is like the coolest thing ever. And you like watch Blair Witch today and you're just like, this is fucking ridiculous. This is stupid. This isn't scary. Yeah. This is dumb. There's like, obviously like a lot of like nostalgia that like goes into it. Right? Yeah. But I, I think like, okay, so for instance, I went back and I watched, uh, I remember watching Metropolis and I remember thinking, Oh, this isn't fucking bad at all. Like, you know, obviously there's, yeah. there's a few different issues with it, but all in all, I, you know, even for being a film, you know, that was made what back in like the 19, I think thirties, I, I think yeah. Metropolis was, uh, was made or 1927. It was when Metropolis was made. Um, uh, I thought it was a great film, you know, um, you know, I, I thought obviously like a, a, there's a curve because of, you know, the fact that it's a movie from 1927, right. but, uh, but I, I thought it was great. When I go back and watch Citizen Kane, I just get bored. <laughs> and you know, again, that might be another yeah. function of just, you know, uh, being spoiled by today's standard of movies. Um, but uh, uh, and also, obviously, there's like personal preference there. But but moving, you know, um, moving on from that conversation into uh, a different conversation about uh, about Mink, um, uh, you know, as we always do, we talk about who are you know, who our runners up are, who's our MVP for the film. Um, so I'll, I'll toss it to you first, uh, who you thought uh, was deserving of uh, said awards. This might be the first time that you have it on your show, but I did not pick an MVP. I did not pick a runner up, <laughs> mainly because I didn't think the performances were all that great. Uh, I love Gary Ullman. I love him in a lot of films. But he played a character that I I just I expected him to play that character in that way. I wasn't taken aback with how great he did. Um, that there was just not a whole lot to it for me personally. Now, I will give, and I mentioned this briefly uh, in, in the plot review, I will give my, I guess you can call it an MVP character duo, maybe, uh, just based on the relationship, and that was uh, Gary Oldman and Lily Collins's relationship. Now, mind you, I'm not saying Lily Collins had any kind of like <laughs> Grammy award winning, you know, uh, or Oscar award winning, um, uh, you know, performance. It's just I enjoyed their uh, relationship in the movie. I enjoyed the banter back and forth, and I liked the way it ended. Uh, subsequently, on the other end, I mentioned it, I hated. Omen and um, Amanda Seyfried's uh, relationship uh, in the movie. I just, I felt it just lacked chemistry. I didn't see it. 
especially uh, towards the end when he's running her down in the car and, you know, he gets in there and they're having the uh, conversation back and forth, why she can't, you know, uh, help him out and do what he's asking her to do. Like it just, there was nothing there for me. Um, the one uh, quirky thing about, you know, some of the characters, um, I think the one character that really fit the time uh, was, was uh, Joseph Cross's character. I believe he played um, Charles uh, Letterer. Yeah, Charles Letterer. I, I I enjoyed his performance. Um, I know him from like indie movies, like uh, like Falling Up, and like you know movies like that. Um, so I actually enjoyed him because I I felt that his look, his demeanor, the way he speaks, fit that era. So, you know, I'd give him a nod, but I don't really have an MVP uh, or runners up in this. Yeah, uh, I don't necessarily I'm not necessarily compelled to give a runner up here. Uh, but what I will do is say that I think Gary Oldman did a pretty, pretty great job uh, with the movie. So maybe I'll, I'll give him my runner up. Uh, but I, I think I'll make it short and sweet by saying that uh, uh, Tuppenance, I believe that's how you pronounce the name. My apologies if I'm not uh, pronouncing it correct. Uh, Tuppenance uh, Middleton, who played Sarah uh, Mankiewicz, uh, you know, uh, uh Herman Mankiewicz's wife. Yeah. Um, I thought she did a fucking stellar job. I, I was, she was good. I, every time she was on screen, it was just, she had this demeanor that was just, uh, it was like permeating, right? Like it, it, it was, uh, it, it, it was, it really, she really sort of, I don't know. I, I don't want to say like defined like the times, but she was this wife who her husband was a complete D bag to her. But she was just always just there and she just, you know, kind of played her role and it was more, much more of like a business arrangement. But, but even more than all that, she, she, she played that extremely well where uh, I was, you know, I was so convinced by her character that that was just her, you know, um, whereas with some of the, you know, and you mentioned sort of like how like the, you have like the, the dialogue that's like the, the banter that's like back and forth and snappy. And, um, and so sometimes with movies like that, it, it can take me out of it because I'm like, people don't actually like speak like this. Like sometimes people have like witty back and forth, but there's usually like a breath between, <laughs> you know, like witty takes. Uh, but um but when her character was on screen, I was just always just like I was I was into it and I was I was just there present, you know, in, in that moment. So uh, so she gets my my MVP nod. Uh, and I should say that uh, the uh, the casting by credit for this is uh, Lorraine uh, Mayfield, uh, um, you know, for the film. Um, so, you know, that being said, let's jump into the um, cinematography for the film. Uh, Eric, uh, uh, I, I believe it's pronounced Messerschmitt. Um it was the uh, cinematographer for the film. And then uh, Kirk Baxter was the uh, editor. Uh, what did you think about the, uh, the cinematography for, for Mank? I enjoyed it. That that was probably the, uh, the part of the movie that did really keep me engaged and uh, keep me going. Um, especially their use of, uh, and, and obviously the, Full disclosure here, if you don't know, it's in black and white. But um, the way that they uh, ended up using, you know, uh, some of the harsh shadows in dramatic scenes um, and then using, you know, soft grays, um, you know, for more... um, 
you know, uh, for more emotional scenes, um, especially like uh, scenes um, between Lily Collins's character and um, and uh, Gary Oldman's character, because uh, you, you know you you saw him in that vulnerable state, um, you know, when he is uh, on the bed. Like I really did enjoy that aspect of the cinematography. I did enjoy some of the low angle static sh- uh, shots that they ended up taking, especially uh, when um, when uh, Mank's uh, or Gary Oldman's character Mank was in the bed um i i i felt like they were really trying to give it a certain type of feel in those scenes and they really hit on it um as far as everything else uh the glitz and the glamour you know of that time i mean this was you know filmed it was movie in black and white so you don't really get that full um you know hollywood feel to it it wasn't as grand um you know uh you're you're talking about them being on sets which you know if you actually see sets they don't look glamorous at all uh so there wasn't anything to the actual sets uh that that i really enjoyed um but the overall cinematography i did like it Mm -hmm. um there wasn't anything crazy that they did like i said i enjoyed some of the uh the hard shadows that they uh used for the dramatic scenes for the emotional scenes they you know toned it down with some uh, you know light grays uh I, I thought it fit well for what they were going for so you know there, there wasn't a whole lot to it but they did a good job yeah yeah no i i you know I kind of second everything that you, you said the, the thing i will say is is that i think they they did an extraordinarily great job at kind of making it all not just look in terms of the the you know the black and whiteness of it all in terms of how it was shot, in terms of the camera angles, in terms of how long they held certain camera shots, they all they made it very similar to you know what a movie would have looked like had it been shot you know back you know uh, during this 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 era you know um, and I think that it takes uh, you know it seems like an easy thing to do but it, that's a very hard thing to achieve uh, to sort of mimic how something looked like from a specific era that usually sometimes. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, even as I say that, I think, you know, they could have dirtied it up a little bit, like in terms of like, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know what kind of lenses they, they or, or what, what camera they use for the film. But, you know, they, I feel like maybe they could have given it a little more sort of like grain or a, a little bit more, you know, sort of like artifacting. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, maybe they could have done that in post. I don't know. Whatever. But still, I, I still think that they did a great job with with sort of mimicking how the how, how everything would have compared to uh you know uh, something from back in uh back in this era so uh so uh, you know I, I will say that um that they did a great job with that um moving on to the uh, the soundtrack for the film or the the score <clears throat> in the uh the music by credit for this is trent uh resner as well as uh, atticus uh R- ross uh yeah I, I would say it's pretty you know they, they had the the like the the very foreboding uh music throughout that that kind of just simmered through throughout the movie like mimicking what it would have been like you know uh, it was very reminiscent of watching like Cin- uh, citizen kane where like they just have this sort of ominous music sort of playing through the course of the film um that was always just present you know uh, it was always just there um you know outside of like really like emotional moments or like moments where they definitely want you to hear you know what was going on um but it, it was basically always there in the background so i thought i thought that was good um but you know uh, you know it was just there uh, it didn't really do anything for me you know other than just uh, kind of put me in that mind frame of thinking oh this is a movie from way back yonder uh but uh and i apologize for using the word yonder but <laughs> what did you think 
No, I, I second everything that you're saying. Um, there, there wasn't anything, you know, uh, special about it. I mean, it did set you in that time, you know, period. Um, it was appropriate. It wasn't overbearing. It did hit when it was supposed to hit. Um, you know, uh, there there were a couple of, you know, songs that I recognized. Uh, Once Upon a Time on a Beach. Um, that was one when it played. I was like, oh, yeah, that's, I remember that. Don't know why I remember it, but I remember it. Um, so yeah, it 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 felt appropriate. It felt timely. Uh, they did use it well. Uh, there were some noticeable parts when they just did not use any part of any soundtrack, no score, nothing, and it worked. You know, sometimes you end up watching a film where it's just dead quiet, and you really wish there was something else happening other than the dialogue. And this it actually worked really well because of the drama, the hysteria surrounding the character Mank uh, and his life and everything that was going on. And then you kind of, you know, slow it down a bit and you have those silent moments where it's just dialogue, no score, you know, uh, no soundtrack. I thought it hit pretty well. Um, there wouldn't, you know, I, I wouldn't say, uh, you know, hey, go buy this, you know, uh, soundtrack on vinyl tomorrow. Like there's, you know, nothing really to it, but you know, I, I I thought it was appropriate. It was it was well done, tastefully done. Yeah. Um, any any last thoughts uh, about the film uh, before we, we conclude uh, our conversation? Yeah, sure. If you uh, enjoy booze, gambling, and men thinking they're the you know masters of the universe, this movie's kind of for you. You know, it's it's Hollywood back in the forties, fifties, sixties where I mean, I guess to some extent, even today, people, you know, men think they're the masters of the universe. But uh, what I would really like to see is uh, if they ever made a Hollywood based movie about the Hollywood scene before Hollywood, you know, before the film industry moved to California, when the film industry was in New Jersey, for example, you know, in the, um, you know, 19... 15s you know uh or whatever the hell it was like you know i'd like to see that this i just kind of feel like i've, I've seen this quite a bit um obviously this story was about mankowitz uh you know him writing citizen kane and you know uh how it all came to be if you enjoy that kind of a hollywood film this would be for you if you enjoy watching men be masters of the universe this is for you for me it just didn't hit Fair enough. Uh, what I will say is, is that like, uh, so I used to work at a bank, uh, you know, uh, back in the day, so to speak. Uh, and, uh, you know, I worked with like a, a lot of old white dudes, uh, which yeah. shout out to them. Uh, fucking, you know, uh, the, the batch of guys that, uh, that I, or the batch of people rather, that I work with, uh, they, they were all fantastic. I, you know, they're, they're practically family to me. Um, uh, this movie reminded me, especially like the one liners, it, it just reminded me of how they, cause they're all like super old. So, uh, the people that I work with. So, uh, uh, so it, it reminded me of like those one liners that like, they would just say, I'd be like, where the fuck, where did you get this from? Like, where do, who made this up for you? What, what script are you working off of right now? Um, and, and so, uh, so as I was watching the movie, I appreciated, uh, you know, some of the one liners, like, uh, you know, so, so make says, uh, 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 you can't capture a man's entire life in two hours. All you can hope to is leave the impression of one, you know, and he just has like a shit like that. That's just like constant, you know, uh, 
sort of like you know uh, these one-liners that are just so fucking like where'd you like what where did you how did you yeah. come up with that shit uh so so that was one thing i really enjoyed about the movie uh what was that uh again i don't necessarily care for the sport sort of like the, the whole back and forth of it all uh because i feel like maybe that that's a little too much at times but uh yeah we pressed play on the movie mank on netflix i uh, hope you guys do too drop a comment uh in the comment section below that let us know what the fuck you you think of the, the the film or what you thought of the film um were you uh, appreciative of the uh of the throwback uh to to the 1930s 1940s uh or did you not give a shit about it uh you know let us know either way all right moving uh the fuck on here uh, to to our our next uh, topic here, uh, so uh, you know every week trailers come out. So I think from you know one of the things we're going to try to adjust for the show is that uh, instead of talking about all the trailers at full length, we'll just do some honorable mentions and then we'll talk about like one specific one, right? So uh, for for that uh, for that much, uh, some trailers that dropped this week that I thought were were notable. Uh, I don't know if you caught the Euphoria special. Uh, yeah, uh, trailer. Uh, did you watch, watch Euphoria uh, no. or like the first season of Euphoria? Not at all. I meant to watch it and I just haven't. But my uh, uh, my significant other can't stop raving about it. She's emphatically obsessed with Euphoria, and uh, I am and, jealous that your significant other and you are allowed to watch shows without each other. Because I'm still trying to get through all of Walking Dead and a bunch of other shows that I can't because I have to wait for my significant other to be home and ready hey, look, to watch them. There's uh there's a push and pull of it all, right? Like, you know, so I not in my house. Of, I watch tons of shit that she doesn't want to watch, and she watches some of the shit that I don't want to watch, right? Like I don't want to watch the Fosters. That's not it's not an interesting <laughs> topic to me. I don't wanna I, that that'd be like torture to fucking sit through the Fosters, right? But she uh, she she watches her shows, I watch mine, you know. Uh we, we sometimes meet in the middle. Euphoria might be one of those places where we meet in the middle. Uh and 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 uh, but she's already watched the first season, so I'll, I'll have to play catch up. But I know the uh one they're going to drop this special but then also they're going to have obviously the, the second season for the show um mm-hmm. but uh but yeah um and then uh, another uh sort of trailer or yeah uh, another trailer that we got this this past week was uh what is uh, help me out here fatali is that how we were pronouncing this fatale fatal fatal fatale. Uh, i was wrong both times fatal fatale <laughs> i know i know it's it comes from femme femme fatale Femme fatale. Okay. Uh, when so, I move to France, eventually I will let you know for sure. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, uh, I appreciate your, your help on these matters. Uh, but, uh, but what well, we got, a we, we got a trailer for this, uh, this particular movie here. Um, this is a uh, starring, um, uh, uh, Michael Ely as well as uh, Hillary Swank. I will say though, uh, it was interesting to watch. It was an interesting trailer to watch, not necessarily because of the plot. We've seen this plot a thousand and one times, um, but more so because uh, I think I enjoy both of the characters or, or both of the main characters in this film. Um, I don't always enjoy Hillary Swank, right? Uh, she's not always my uh, my my go to, so to speak, uh, but. In this role, I was like, all right, I, I can see you in this. A little creepy, uh, a little disturbed, 
I feel like you fit this role. Yeah. Uh, and Michael Ely, he's always great in these type of movies. He's done a thousand in one of them um, where, you know, he's either playing a creepy person or he's fending off the creepy person. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I, I think they both fit the, the role quite well. Uh, as far as like the plot and stuff, I don't give a shit about the plot. It's it's we've seen this movie a thousand in one time. Um and so, so yeah. Uh, and then we we also got a trailer for, uh, for the marksman, um, which um, uh, which you know you saw it. I actually didn't see it myself, but uh, but but you saw it. But this is another classic, sure to be from uh, from our guy. Uh, um, fuck, why can't I remember his name now? It's Liam Neeson, Liam the Neeson, man that has. A particular set of skills, which in this trailer, in this plot, he is not rescuing his own child, his own family, his own friends. He is protecting. So, so essentially, he's a farmer, I guess, uh, on a ranch out in Texas and going into foreclosure, you know, auctioning off his farm because he can't afford, uh, you know, just the typical American farmer from Texas story. You know, the bank's going to come. The government's going to come for you. But what he didn't expect was the Mexican cartel to come when, you know, a couple of uh, immigrants, uh, you know, uh, go over, uh, you know, the, uh, the border and he's caught in a crossfire between, you know, uh, trying to save them uh, from the uh, cartel, but then also dealing with the fact that now he is harboring, you know, this uh, immigrant child. So it looked pretty cool, you know. It does have those Liam Neeson one-liners from the trailer where he's like, you know, like, it's not a particular set of skills, but I am a Marine and I know what to do with a gun. Like that type of stuff, <laughs> you know, it it looks all right. It's not that yeah. bad. You know, yeah. it, it it could be a worse Liam Neeson movie. Yeah, you, you it could be movie. Run the Night or whatever that was called. Uh, yeah, I forget what that's called. Like One Long Night. I don't know. Um yeah, no, uh, yeah, rousing endorsement of the movie from you. Uh, I know for sure that I'm excited about this now since you gave it such a glowing review. Uh, yeah, whatever. This looks like another Liam Neeson movie. Um, uh, okay, so with all that being said, uh, let's get to a trailer that uh, that definitely did catch my eye this uh, this 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 past week. Um, so, you know, we have certain personalities in pop culture that are just, they're just there, right? They're just always there and they, uh, they captivate us because we're just like, Hmm, what are you going to do next? You know, it's like watching a car accident. It's like, I want to look away, but I can't. Right. Uh, what are you going to say next? What are you going to do? Uh, Wendy Williams, uh, happens to be one of those said personalities. Uh, and, uh, this past week we did indeed get a trailer for her, uh, biopic, or I guess, you know, uh, me and Arena was arguing all the, time, all the time, whether it's biopic or biopic. Yeah, um, I don't know what the hell you just did there. What do you, what do you mean? Do you Wait, have like which, some peanut butter under you? your oh, tongue? Oh, God. Which, which one are you? Are you biopic. biopic? I don't know. Yeah, like I, I think you might have some peanut butter under your tongue uh, and you're uh, just not saying know. it right. I, okay. I'm not even going to argue. About biopic? Is that what you said? I don't even know what you biopic it's not that hard of a thing to understand anyways we got but why a, are you saying that we, we, we got a trailer for <laughs> wendy williams uh the movie which uh note here uh the fact that it's called wendy williams the movie is probably the most hilarious part about this entire thing instead of just being called like i don't know wendy williams something something it's called william wendy williams the movie like we couldn't 
we couldn't try like maybe just like a little harder than that we just we had to just call it the movie uh but uh in any case uh we we get this trailer and uh yeah it it looks interesting uh you know uh, i will say this uh what i can say for the the movies uh you know, for in defense of what we're seeing, and by the way, this is a this is a lifetime movie. By the way, um, is that the actress who plays uh, Wendy uh, Wendy Williams? Um, and I'm trying to find her name. It's like, uh, damn. Anyways, uh, I'll find her name in a sec. Um, but she looks pretty similar to to, to Wendy yeah. Williams. Like if you're if you're if you're gonna, you know, if you're if you're gonna do a, a biopic. Uh, about Wendy Williams, uh, you know, I feel like this is the uh, this is the and, or her name is uh, Sierra uh, Payton actually, um, but uh, but yeah, I'll give you a, a, a you know a brief description of the. It basically just follows Wendy Williams' uh, life, and you know she's been through a lot of shit. Uh, yeah, she's basically like a shock jock uh, from you know I think she got her start I, I want to say at the, in the uh, early 1990s. Um, and uh she basically just says a lot of flagrant shit you know not afraid to push people's buttons and shit uh that's basically where she makes her or you know that's her, her bread and butter um uh and one of the more you know more recent uh, notable things is she she was the uh, uh she, she was for some reason i think i don't know if it was during how i don't know i can't remember exactly when the fuck it was but she was dressed as the statue of liberty and she just like fucking like starts like shaking and then it just like passes out it was some sort of medical condition um uh, which I've, I've been tempted to pull that up as like that's the uh that's a microcosm for america right now that's that's literally us <laughs> as the statue of liberty like shaking and they're just falling down uncontrollably uh that's pretty much what america is doing right now um but uh but uh this this film is directed by darren grant uh is written by lay davenport and scarlett lacy and stars as i mentioned before sierra payton um rocco uh omari uh liza uh, hudget as well as uh rutherford or rutherford uh gray and is due out january 30th again on lifetime uh what did you think of uh Wendy Williams, the movie, which I, I'll say on IMDb, it's actually known as Wendy Williams, the hot topic, which I think is a far superior title. But who the fuck am I? Yeah. I mean, I didn't know that she was as, you know, gangsta as she was because <laughs> by that trailer, you know, she's like, you know, I did this on my own. Nobody can steal anything from me. Like, you know, like, uh, I don't know, man. I mean, it's, 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 what is a lifetime? Is it E entertainment who did this like uh, film? Yeah. yeah. Like it's, it looks like the type of lifetime movie that lifetime would put out. Yeah. And, you know, look, shout out to Wendy Williams for cashing in on everything that she could while she could because like you said like she is america just like in a nutshell like you know she's brazen she's blatant with everything she doesn't hold back she says what she wants to say she doesn't give a fuck about anybody else other than wendy williams and how she's gonna do her stuff like i've seen some of her shows because you know i go to a lot of doctor's appointments and it would be on all the time don't, don't in the lobby that. don't do that don't do that just just say you watch wendy williams show and let's all right all right yeah. all right whatever you know <laughs> whatever i watch wendy williams <laughs> but no like seriously though like she is america like she is america 
And how can you not watch America? Like we are the biggest shit show right now and everybody's watching us. She is America. I like yeah. it. Um, yeah. Uh, one of the other notable things that I was thinking about for the movie was, uh, you know, uh, Charlemagne the God, he, he has some connections to Wendy Williams. Uh, they, they work with each other. I guess she didn't, I don't necessarily think she discovered Charlemagne, but she, they, they work with each other and he, yeah. he had a, a bit of a start with her. Uh, and then they had a pretty, you know, significant falling out. Um, but, uh, it's a question of who's going to play Charlemagne in the, uh, uh you know in the movie and i think i was t- hearing him on the breakfast club he was joking like oh well i don't know if morse chestnut was available so i don't know <laughs> i don't know who's gonna play uh but uh but yeah i yeah when new williams i don't necessarily you know i i, I think I, I didn't really know who she was until like maybe like maybe three four years ago uh and then i was like oh okay like she seems like she's an interesting character and then as soon as i started like kind of peeling back the layers like nah like what the fuck like you know uh she just says a whole lot of shit she just shit talks is essentially her thing which is like okay like (laughs) i don't know how productive that is but cool 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 um it's a money grab yeah you know and but who who can fault her right like this is america get your bag while you can that's what i mean Uh, yeah basically however you can uh so i can't fault her man and and honestly you know Nobody can knock her hustle. Like, you know, I mean, she's she's a hustler by heart, you know. Uh, so uh, you can say a lot of things about her, but you can't say that she's not a hustler. So uh, and then I think the, the movie also goes through her or, you know, her and her husband. I think they had a pretty massive falling out themselves. Uh, so I, I think we'll get a bit of that. I don't know if I'll check this movie out, but, uh, you know, maybe if I have some, you know, depending on what kind of wine I crack open that night. Who knows? We can get into some crazy stuff. So <laughs> why not? Uh, Wendy Williams, the movie. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, in any event, uh, we will move forward uh, nonetheless. Um, so in, in talking about uh, other uh, hot messes, um, uh, this week, uh, Warner Brothers uh, caused a, a bit of uh, a hot mess, right? Uh, when they decided, look, I, I could go through sort of like the, uh, you know, uh, the technical ways of talking about this, but really long story short, they basically said, fuck theaters. We're, <laughs> you know, well, we'll just do the shit on our own. You know, uh, is essentially what the WB said. Uh, so basically they, they an- announced that uh, they're going to be uh, releasing basically their entire slate for 2021, right? All their movies that they're going to put out in 2021, all the new movies, um, they're essentially going to put out on HBO Max, uh, which is devastating to uh, to theaters, right? Because they're they've been waiting this entire time. Like, when can we open back up? And they, the, what's been sort of like their kind of one saving grace is that when they decide uh, to open back up, because you know, uh, I don't think I need to like rehash it for everybody, but uh, it's obviously we're in the middle of a fucking pandemic, uh, so you know, it's made it tough to get out to the theaters. That if there's one thing you could probably cross off your list that. Eh, probably don't need to do that is going to the theaters right uh in in the middle of a of a pandemic um but uh you know as they sort of are trying to get back into their one saving grace has been hey we're gonna have a shit ton of movies to show you once we get back you know into the fold of things that's what the theaters are saying well not to be not so fast as uh warner brothers uh more specifically hbo um and 
long story short, this is they're all under the banner of AT&T. It, like, I fucking hate how there's like always like 18 different fucking layers and you got to like trace it back to like, OK, who the fuck is actually in charge here? But AT&T technically owns uh, Warner Media or I guess WB, Warner Brothers um, and thus HBO and HBO Max. OK, so uh, so so, yeah. Uh, what are your quick thoughts about, you know, um, you know, uh, WB sort of announcing that they're going to put all, all their movies on uh, HBO Max? I, uh, it was interesting timing because, you know, and like obviously you and me, you know, we, we follow politics quite a bit and, you know, getting word that, you know, all right, hey, we're, you know, going to have, you know, hopefully another stimulus package, but we're not going to help, you know, people. Who could potentially, you know, maybe go to theaters with some of the money if they had it. And there's going to be some small business help. Not much for, you know, huge corporations. Um, and then, you know, you're hearing, oh, well, you know, uh, this isn't going to happen at all. And all of a sudden, you know, it's like, all right, HBO, forget this. Like, we're going to go ahead and just, you know, um, send everything, you know, to uh, to the streaming giants or uh, WB, I should say, uh, to the streaming giants and, you know, just fuck figuring out all the logistics right now with theaters and hoping and praying that, you know, people come out and people don't get sick and potential lawsuits that'll come out from this. Like when I was reading some of the, uh, some of the headlines uh, for this announcement, like people who watch a lot of films, at least in my circles, were super happy about this, you know, cause right now, nobody, at least again, in my circles wants to go out wants to risk the Rona to go see Dune, you know, or, you know, Michael uh, uh, or Space uh, Jam or... I might have the risk and things in order to go see... Nah, Dune Rona looks cool. Rona. Dune looks cool. Uh, <laughs> but I'm still not risking the Rona, but I'm certainly not going to see a new Legacy Space Jam. Like, that's not going to happen, <laughs> you know? I can, I can see LeBron goofing around yeah, you, perfectly you, fine on YouTube videos on the court, you, you know? like LeBron, Bron? Uh, nah. Yeah. But I, I, I like this, that they're taking the initiative to just go ahead and say, hey... We're going to throw in the towel right now with theaters. We're just going to go to the streaming giants. I guarantee you that the next set of productions that, you know, WB um, uh, ends up doing will probably be much lower scaled. Uh, They might be, you know, in-house productions where they're not sending out, you know, uh, to contract out work to different people. And, you know, we might just be getting some, some, some shit for a little while until this whole pandemic is over. And then, you know, we can focus on some bigger budget films and get the stars and the directors all on board. But I, I think this is the right move for them to make. Cause why wouldn't you, you know, who's, who's benefiting right now? It's, it's the streaming giants who are benefiting right now. Like, why are you trying to compete in a field that is just non-existent right now. Like if if all you were doing was um, opening up theaters, uh, or I'm sorry, your uh, your films in theaters in like New Zealand, where they're walking around without masks because there's just no coronavirus there, or there's so limited, then sure, go ahead, you know, put it in New Zealand, let people go waste their money over there. But like here in the U.S. and the rest of the world, where you know the Rona is raging wildly, like no, like figure out a new game plan. You've said this many times before, like. This is the future. Stop trying to prevent the future from happening. Push all your stuff to the streaming giants. Make whatever deal you can. Recoup some money and then re-strategize for the next year or two years while we're still going through this. And now hopefully we get through it. And then, you know, if theaters are still around, then, you know, put it on theaters. But who the hell knows what's going to happen next year? I mean, how many of these theater chains are going to be around? Yeah. Uh, So, look, (laughs) 
I don't want to call us here on the podcast. I don't want to call us like Nostradamus, right? Like that's not, that's not what I'm here We're to visionaries. We indeed are visionaries because I think we pre- <laughs> very specifically predicted this entire scenario while everybody else was saying, oh my God, we're holding out hope that theaters are going to stay open and this and that. And uh, like, you know, just wait till, you know, begin into like the, the, the fourth quarter of uh, 2021 or 2020. And then, you know, hopefully in the first quarter of 2021, we'll be back in business. Nah, it was always bullshit, right? Like that, that was always bullshit. Like you can go back to fucking, you know, whatever episode that we've been talking about this topic on, like it was always a fucking pipe dream to think like, because in my mind, it was always, what was going to be the difference? Like what, what like what, whether we're talking about, uh, you know, uh, first it was like, okay, like let's just get to like June, right? Like, or let's just get to July. And then it was like, okay, well like let's get to September, August, you know? Um, then it was like, okay, like maybe in December. Well, and it's just like, well, in this entire scenario, what the fuck's changing with the pandemic? Like th- there's nothing changing. In fact, it, it will most likely get worse, uh, you know, as we obviously approach like, uh, winter. So in my mind, it was always like, yeah, like, no, we need to think about fucking like significant changes in the strategy here. Right. Uh, and, and this kind of goes back to why I think, you know, look, I, I love going to movie theaters and I think that there are some, you say in your circles, you know, everybody's kind of ecstatic about this. There's a lot of people out there who are like, fuck, you know, this sucks, right? Because for one, there are a lot of people who work for uh, movie theater chains, you know, through through all sort of phases of it, right? Like whether you're talking about, you know, in their corporate offices or if you're talking about literally at each sort of movie theater. So my heart goes out to uh, a lot of those people because that sucks for them, right? But th- to me, this is a colossal, this has been a colossal, forget the pandemic for a moment, this has been a colossal failure on the movie theaters side of trying to adapt to the changing market. Like it's, it's like the, the, the change between, um, you know, uh, it's like saying like, Oh, like instead of uh, fuck this thing called TV sets, you know, fuck them, you know, (laughs) like, why would we No, We're not going to adapt content for them. Fuck that. Uh, and then just be like, no, we're just going to keep showing movies in theaters, but, but it completely ignored, uh, uh, you know, TVs. That's how preposterous it's been to me because it's like, even before the pandemic, why wouldn't you see what's coming up the pike with fucking streaming, seeing that people just love the ease of just watching shit at home, right? Like, say what you will about, you know, formatting. And I know Christopher Nolan was listening to this. He'd have a stroke right now. But, But say what you will about all that. People just love convenience right i love convenience i love sitting around there are certain movies where i gotta get up out of my seat and i gotta i gotta go to the theater to go see yeah. but those are only certain movies i don't need to see every fucking movie in theaters and i have to wait three months until it comes out on fucking you know whatever platforms and you know um uh, rental platforms in order to 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 watch them um so uh, you know there are people who are hurt by this and you know but I, but again, I think ultimately the blame goes on the theaters themselves because they de- never tried to adapt. They just said, no, we have our release windows, uh, you know, uh, you know, um, where we just have movies in theaters. And then, you know, after two, three months, then, OK, they go out, you know, but it's just like there's no reason for that other than the fact that that they made it. So like there was <laughs> there's never like like what agreement did they have with uh, customers where they were like, OK, you know, what do you guys like? And it's like, yeah, no, we definitely wanted it in theaters for three months before you put it out on uh, our rental platforms, you know, or, or, or VOD. And it's like, yeah, we, we're on board for that. No, nothing ever indicated that. It was just, that's just how it's always been. So that's just the way that they kept it. Um, and, and so uh, I, I will say that, uh, let's just talk a little bit more about this whole HBO Max thing. 
Um, so each uh, each movie will uh, will actually appear on HBO Max for only one month before it leaves HBO Max, uh, at which point the film will cycle through the usual release window, um, leaving theaters when uh, interest is run out and heading to iTunes, DVD points, yada, yada. Uh, and then obviously back to HBO Max at some point in time. Um, Warner uh, movies would continue to have a, a traditional theatrical release outside of the U.S., uh, where HBO Max doesn't actually currently exist. Um, and one uh, one other fucked up thing that they actually did was just they didn't tell their partners. So this actually reminds me—I don't know if you remember when, uh, you know, not to get too political, but I remember when Trump uh, uh, pulled out of Syria, and it was just like. Yeah. Well, okay. You know, we're not kind of hating on your, you know, at least the same people aren't really hating on the fact that you're getting out of Syria. It's that you did it so fucking abruptly and you didn't tell anybody. And it's just like, well, now you're just causing a fucking uh, panic for no reason other than you just fucking wanted to do it, you know? Um, And you're leaving our Kurdish allies to die. Exactly. Right. Like, so instead of like preparing people and like making sure everybody's got all their ducks in a row, you're just like, fuck it, I'm going to drop the shit on you, you know, which is, uh, which is bullshit, you know? Um, so I don't really much agree. I, I agree with the overall strategy from them, but come on, just fucking tell people what you're fucking doing and you save everybody a lot of fucking headache. Uh, but maybe, I don't know, for some other reasons, they, they, you know, maybe they knew that they were going to get a pretty significant backlash from this. So maybe that's why they didn't, you know, tell Bro, everybody. it's the most American thing ever. It's what benefits me and how quickly can I get this done? That's all it was. It was them deciding, hey, this is us, not the show. This is us as a company. We are going to do this. Fuck everything else. We're just going to do it. And whatever the fallback is later on, so be it. If people want to watch our movies, they'll go to these uh, streaming platforms. We're going to make some money. If not, they can wait 90 days, 60 days, 30 days. And then, you know, we'll we'll see if iTunes, you know, gets us a little bit of money. Fuck everybody else. You know, who cares about AMC? You know, I mean, I know Lorraine's stock is dropping, but <laughs> yeah, he's, he's regretting that massively right now. Um, yeah. uh, here's what, what I will say, though, is it's not like, you know, again, I don't dog the move. Right. Because it's just, like this is where this was headed. Right. Uh, and, I, and I knew yeah. that what I was waiting for the entire time was one big movie. And everybody points to Wonder Woman. I don't think it was Wonder Woman that started this sort of like cascade. It was Mulan. As soon as Mulan headed to Disney, uh, Disney Plus, yeah. it was I, I, it was a it was a wrap. That's a wrap because that's that's a huge fucking movie. And you can we can have arguments about like, OK, well, if having Mulan for thirty dollars on, uh, you know, Disney TV uh, plus whatever, whatever the fuck it's called, it's, it's called Disney TV plus. Right. I think I think it's yeah. um, uh, having it for thirty dollars is kind of bullshit. But, you know, that argument aside, um, as soon as I saw I hit Disney Disney plus, I was like, yep, no, that's a that's that's a wrap because. And, and with the, that combined with the fact that this coronavirus was never like it, it at no point was like, all right, we're, we're like in the safe zone now where everybody can like get out. It was never really at that point. It was just like, OK, like the shit that we started to do started to work a bit. And then everybody's like, all right, we're good now. And then they headed back out. And now we're in the same fucking problem. Um, and so uh, and, and so, look, I, I don't malign Warner Brother or, you know, um, WB from doing this move because it's kind of like this is the natural progression of things and it's like what do you fucking want them to do just to sit on fucking all of these movies for another two years like no <laughs> like we gotta ship this shit out we got other shit to make you know and and i know that they're, they're probably gonna take a bit of a loss in terms of you know obviously foregoing the actual theater money but honestly was that movie uh was that money even gonna be there in the first place like are people no. really gonna go out to theaters like that once you know uh, assuming that a vaccine you know uh comes our way and and you know uh and 
it gets to, it's going to be like two three years before anything can even that's resembling normal take place right like it's going to be at least two to three years right um that's to say if people ever even go back to theaters like that you know maybe mm-hmm. they just fucking stay inside because they realize ah. Oh, yeah, uh, instead of spending $8,000 at a movie theater, maybe I could just stay home and not do that. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Um, for everybody who's like crying and saying, oh my God, this is the death of movie theaters. I don't think so. I think, look, you heard it here first. I feel like what's going to happen is uh, they lifted those Paramount decrees. And as soon as I saw them lift those Paramount decrees, which basically, to, to long, make a long story short, made it so that movie theaters can or uh that studios can now own movie theaters that they can have the entire sort of system right yeah. uh that you know they the paramount degrees were that they separate them that no studio can actually own you know all aspects of the uh, uh movie process um uh but since they essentially lifted those decrees um, well, now that's going to make it possible. And what I think is going to happen is that somebody is going to make that move to buy one of these failing uh, theater chains, right? Whether it's AMC, whether it's Cinemark, uh, whatever it is. And I think the candidate, it's not, I don't think it's going to be Disney, right? I think, although I think their stock is doing pretty well right now um, because of Disney Plus, um, but because of where they are at financially with their theme parks, I think they're going to be treading water for quite a while. Uh who I think it actually is, is either going to be Amazon or Apple because both want and need to make a big splash in the movie theater or in the movie business. Uh, And both are obviously in it, but both need to like, you know, make a move to like try to even get close to Netflix. Right. Um, And so what better way would there be other than to buy, uh, you know, uh, a movie theater chain, you know, and what, you know, what other companies are in a better position to do that than fucking Amazon and Apple, or they're both, they're both like, what pandemic? What are you guys talking about? Everything's going great over here. Swimmingly. (laughs) Uh, So, so I I think you heard it here first. That's exactly what's going to happen. Uh, And if anybody tells you otherwise, they're stupid. Yeah. Keep in mind, uh, just to kind of like put a button on this, uh, especially before the uh, Paramount decree, movie theaters, especially, you know, franchise ones, privately owned ones, um, which was the majority of movie theaters, the owners of those theaters, you you know, you pay $8, $12, $15 for a movie ticket. You know, they were, they were recouping maybe a dollar or two on that actual ticket. They weren't making money off that ticket. You know, they were, they're making money off of all the concessions and everything else, you know, all of the popcorns, which, you know, are $12 themselves, all the sodas and everything. And like, you know, you're, you're telling me I'm going to go spend $15 on a ticket then spend $15 on a small soda and, you know, popcorn, like it's just not going to happen. So to think that, theaters were just going to be around and going to be able to come back like no logistically it made no sense you know which then to your point yeah why wouldn't an amazon or an apple come in buy the shit out amazon wouldn't just make all the logical sense in the world they could do so much with their actual um movie theaters big buildings they'll have They'll have Amazon hubs in there. There'll be Amazon lockers in there. Like, you're going to see Tenet? All right. You need that new Tenet shirt? Pick it up at the Amazon locker at the theater that you're going to be at. You want some Sour Patch Kids gummies that go along with that? We got that for you, too. It'll be waiting for you. Like, it would make all the sense in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not necessarily looking forward to it because I think that then that allows, like, a lot of fuckery as far as, like, what movies get shown where. But 
but I think that's, America. that's going to be like the natural sort of like evolution of, of, of things. Like that that's the only way for one, that's I personally, I think that's the only way movie theaters really like have like any enduring life is if somebody does come in and buy them up with the specific yeah. purpose of like, Hey, we're basically going to take over the, uh, uh, you know, the, the schedule in terms of what we're, we're actually going to show in, in theaters. Um, but yeah, uh, let us know what you think in the comment section, uh, below of, about the, you know, uh, uh, Warner Brothers move here. Do you think it's detrimental uh, to the whole movie business, or do you think it's something that's just uh, kind of like a, a, a natural sort of progression and just where we're at right now? Uh, either way, let us know. All right, uh, we are going to jump leapfrog one specific topic and uh, and talk about another because I just don't think we have enough time to get in both. Uh, so what I do want to talk about here is look, uh, sometimes conversations happen about list top five, this and that, uh, Morris Chestnut and Shannon Sharp got into a nice, interesting conversation about what their top five, uh, hood classic movies are. Right. Uh, uh, and this was on club Shay Shay, uh, for anybody interested to, <laughs> to go check Shannon Sharp's, uh, podcast show or whatever you want to think of it worst as. name ever uh, club uh, i love club shay shay that's that's a nice name that's a very interesting name club shay shay uh i would i would up. go to view different kind of activities at a club shay shay it would be in person you and you, you can do whatever you, you know want a couple of dollar shay. bills on me <laughs> that's the beauty of club shay shay you can do whatever the fuck you want there it's i guess it's all good it all goes um so uh so yeah um so anyway, so that inspired us to talk about what our top five favorite hood classic movies are right now. There is going to be uh, some contention here because we're going to have to talk about what actually constitutes as a hood classic movie that uh, and we don't have, you know, we might continue this, you know, later because uh, we, we, Arane's not here, but he did give me his list. So we're going to talk about that and we're going to you know slide his list appropriately. Uh, so I'm sure he'll want to come back on and argue his, uh, <laughs> you know, his selection. Uh, but without further ado, we will uh, begin our list. Uh, I'm going to go with you, Addy. You go ahead and drop your top five hood classic movies. Let us know. Are we doing uh, going straight five or are we going back and forth? No, we're, from we're going five straight to five. One? We have no time to waste here. All right. All right. So I'm going to start with number five okay. for me. Mm-hmm. Hood classic. Yeah. I don't think anybody can dispute that this should be on it. Juice. Mm-hmm. Juice. Yeah. A young Tupac, a young Omar Epps before he went to medical school and got hired by Dr. House. Like <laughs> this, this movie it, it resonated with me because this was one of the first movies when I moved to the U.S. in the late 90s that that the only kids that ever hung out with me were black kids and they would play this all the time. So, like, this was one of the movies that just resonated with me. How much hood factor do I have to talk about the hood? Probably zero. Literally zero. But when I think <laughs> of hood movies, Juice is one of them. Uh, Tupac surprisingly did not do terribly in this movie. Like... You know, like, and th- th- there's there's another movie that I know you're going to get to where uh, taking, you know, rappers, taking artists and making them, you know, into uh, into leading roles on the big screen just sometimes doesn't work out. I felt with Tupac, it was good. I enjoyed, you know, the uh, the 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 story between, you know, friends 
growing up together, then having that one friend that, you know, just kind of, you know, just fuck shit up for everybody. And then now you got to deal with the ramifications of it as a group. I enjoyed it. So that was number five for me. Number four, Friday. Friday, I, I felt you had to add a comedy in here somewhere. And Friday is just a classic. I don't know if I really need to talk a whole lot about it, but I mean, from the one-liners that you get from, you know, uh, Chris Rock to, you know, um, Ice Cube's father. I forgot uh, what his Chris name was. Chris Rock, first off. Uh, Chris Rock. <laughs> Chris Tucker, Jesus. Chris Christ. Tucker, yeah. Oh, man, what, oh, what did I just watch with uh, Chris Rock uh, the other day? But anyway, yeah, Chris Tucker, Mr. I made so much money, I don't even need to act anymore. And I can just live off of my uh, my residuals, as Lorraine likes to say. Yeah. But yeah, so that that that's definitely one of my classics. Uh, point of contention, I know this one for you is going to be Coach Carter. And yeah. I threw Coach Carter in there because does a hood movie always have to talk about, be about, you know, I, I, I don't I don't even know how to describe it like does it have to be gangster stuff all the time does it have to be you know the um you know the life cycle of somebody going through you know all the bad things or can it be something inspiring and something good so I took coach Carter into that I love Samuel L. Jackson's performance in it I love the fact that it's a true story I love the fact that you know these kids that come from Richmond you know that are uh in a bad situation overall can overcome the adversity really make something of themselves uh everybody in that was great minus channing tatum you know we can kind of throw him out of there but absolutely i not. thought that was a great absolutely movie not. We, we keep channing tatum. <laughs> um, keep channing tatum in there <laughs> yeah, yeah. what would coach carter be without you know this white dude who you know is just there oh there was like three other white dudes that never got a single line in the entire movie that they yeah, could not even a minute on the, the court you needed the <laughs> you just needed the one Yeah. All right. By uh, my second one here, my second one, uh, Mm -hmm. speeding things up, uh, menace to society. Now, Mm. I don't think anybody can really argue that, you know, this shouldn't be part of, you know, hood classics. If for nothing, nothing else than that opening scene, Mm -hmm. that opening scene where you get the instant drama, the instant action, the, (gasps) the, go ahead. No, no, I uh, I just clicked on the wrong thing. Go ahead. Ah, that's cool. Uh, yeah, the 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 instant um, uh, uh, trouble that you find yourself in, uh, you know, it 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 really is reality. I mean, you know, when we first moved to the U.S., like we lived in neighborhoods like this, where you know it was the Alameda down in Baltimore, you know. Um, just around a corner from there, like where you did have things happen at the corner store all the time. And it just hit home for me whenever I watch Menace to Society. Home for me, obviously, completely different scenario than what, you know, people will actually be going through that, you know, live in the hood, that live in poverty, that live in rough situations. But Menace to Society, I don't think anybody can say shouldn't be on this list. And my number one, which uh, I know you haven't seen, Blind Spotting, which is a more recent movie, uh, 2018, I believe, is when I, it came out. I freaking love this movie because of what it signifies today's society being in certain parts of America. Yeah. You know, this I movie is. I have to cry foul here. First off, the first thing I cry foul about, we're talking about hood classics. 
right? Classic. So, it's a new classic. Classic. New classic. A new classic is modern. That's what that is, right? That that's called so? modern, right? A classic is something that you have to go back maybe like two, three decades in order to find. You can't just why this was produced yesterday and it's a classic. No, why the the blueprint when Jay Z came out with it in two thousand one, it wasn't immediately <laughs> a classic, right? It, it was. It, it needed it some was. time. Yeah, no, no, it no, it no. was especially it especially because time. right after Blueprint came out, he came out saying, "Oh, he was going to retire." You knew it was a classic immediately he, after that. No, he he didn't. Out, it was like two albums later where he retired. Okay, ah. was, he had the Blueprint two, and then he had uh, a listen black to me. Album, listen okay? to me. This is this is a new classic. It's got its own TV series being made in production right now for it. Mm-hmm. And for all the reasons of what happens in that movie, the gentrification that, you know, happens throughout America right now where, you know, companies, you know, white people just come into the hood and pour money into it but for all the wrong reasons you know they're not pouring money into help the residents of that area you know they're taking it over they're pushing everybody out they're you know increasing values of homes that people to begin with couldn't afford anyway and now you have this you know dynamic between these two lifelong friends you know who you know one is black one is white uh rafael uh, casal plays you know the uh the white guy um uh, uh Diggs uh plays uh you know the uh the, the black main character and everything that happens in that movie is so to the point of what's happening and even here in Baltimore I mean I, I remember telling you a story it might have been you it might have been a rain but I, I was going through an old neighborhood that I used to live in um close to Pimlico in Baltimore and I was shocked I was picking up some camera equipment there from somebody who was selling it online and I was shocked at the neighborhood. It looked nothing like it used to look back in 99, 2000. You know, you have nicely <laughs> manicured streets. to 2000. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Shout out to a rain. <laughs> um, <laughs> the nine nines. <laughs> but um, no, it's, 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 it's an amazing movie. Yes, I agree with you. It hasn't passed enough time to be considered a classic. However... And also, I can not see that it many being like know about the movie. They they, like, they don't they don't know about a classic, it. Classic. I feel like it has to like foster some sort of like fervent like you know family. You heard it here first. We are we are visionaries. One we are person, hit makers. One person blind spotting make. is a classic. Okay, if you say so. Okay, uh, <laughs> better better than Belly. First off, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> First off, uh, I'm going to need you to retract that statement, sir. But we'll, 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 we'll let that pass for now. Okay. Uh, so look, I, I we we had whoops, and I got the I keep putting the wrong graphic up here. There we go. That's the right graphic. Club Shay Shay. Uh, Club Shay Shay. Um, so uh, so I actually had a rain put in uh, his two cents as well since he couldn't be here. Uh, I still wanted him to get his his, his word in edgewise. Uh, so look, his uh, his first. Uh, hood classic dead presidents um which uh yeah i'll be honest okay never seen it never seen that really yeah i've never seen dead presidents uh but it stars obviously lorenz tate uh chris tucker um uh, keith david uh yeah uh 
So I can't even speak to it because I honestly I haven't seen the movie. Uh, although people like reference it a lot, right? Like it's yeah. reference uh, uh, a lot of time. Uh, obviously, you know this is uh, to me the quintessential hood classic movie. This is like this is the this is clearly like on my on my list too. Uh, Boys in Hood and how you had it off your list is criminal. I I don't even I don't even know. It how was it was it. originally on my list. I had to bump it. In, for what? What 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 took its place? What trash movie juice. on your list took its place? Juice. juice. Wait, why is it yeah. a competition between Juice and uh Boys in the Hood? Why it literally bump anything else off? Or even Juice. So, so it was it was it was literally because I made blind spotting number one. Uh okay. Well I I don't even know what to do with you. You you so you basically you bump Boys in the Hood first, blind spotting. And yeah. I rest my case, ladies, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> Take it to appeals court. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I gotta, we, we gotta go to uh, the fate podcast court. You know what? We might come back for the fate podcast court about this. This might be. We, we, we might should bring this, bring this to uh, to a jury of your peers. <laughs> uh, so uh, for our next on Rain's list, uh, he had New Jack City. Uh, okay. you know, uh, so New, New Jack City, I think is, is, is a very appropriately, uh, on, on this, this list. Um, you know, uh, it's a very quotable movie. It's a very, uh, and one of the, one of the funniest things about the movie isn't actually even the movie itself. It's, 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 uh, a scene that's taken from the movie that's played on, uh, Martin. Uh, it's this scene where he mimics, um, uh, I believe uh, Nino Brown is is the main character, but he mimics him where he has a, like a dog and he's like petting the dog and he's like questioning people around the table. It's the most classic mm-hmm. Martin uh, uh, scene or, or skit or whatever you want to call it uh, on the show. Uh, and obviously it was originally from New Jack City. Um, but uh, but yeah, uh, uh, next on our Rain's list is, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, an arguable... Oh, yeah. You know, uh, you know, hood classic set it off. Uh, you know, you have so many just great actresses here: you know, Jada Pinkett Smith, uh, Queen Latifah, uh, Vivica Fox, uh, and then a third person, which I actually don't know. I can't remember her name. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's a very classic movie that I think uh, you know. And and who can forget the uh, the, the the main theme song? I think it was uh, was it Escape? It was either Escape or Total. That uh, don't you wanna be? Mm-hmm more than just yeah uh obviously my my singing credentials aren't uh aren't to be don't uh, stop keep going please i don't like how you said that that was weird um, <laughs> uh uh so uh and then rain uh rounds off his list by of course you know the aforementioned uh oh, yeah. juice uh which uh, honestly for the first i watched juice for the first time like uh, earlier this year like at, at around the around the start of the pandemic is when I was like, right, we were shutting it down. Uh, and then randomly uh, it was on like TNT one day or it was like on TBS or some shit. Uh, and I was just like, all right, fuck it. I am ashamed that I've never watched Juice. Today I'm watching it. Uh, and uh, yeah, I actually really liked it. I, I thought. You know, so you've never seen the uh, the uncut version? So you've just seen the TV uh, version? I don't. You know what? And when I say I haven't seen it, what I actually mean is that I probably have seen it at some point in time, but I probably wasn't old enough to like gotcha. know what the fuck I was watching yeah. or like appreciate it. And I kind of just was like lost interest in it. Um, I never actually like went back to go watch it like as a fully like functional teenager or adult. <laughs> um, so I'll get you my uh, my DVD of it. <laughs> Do you have a DVD of Juice? Hell yeah! Well, there you go. Well, Blockbuster right. was going out. They were selling all their <laughs> shit. I grabbed one. 
<laughs> oh shit blockbuster was going out so i was like all right all right uh good for you um okay so let, let's start with the best list which is my list of course right like this is mm. this is the list that everybody should go off of because this is clearly like the most quintessential list uh first we start out with friday right i gotta okay like that's where we have some similarity uh friday it, it's tough to get more hood classic than Friday, right? Like you, you got Smokey, you got Craig, uh, you know, uh, how'd you get fired on your day off? You know, uh, <laughs> one of the funniest lines in that movie is uh, one liners for days. Oh my God. Every, every one liner you can think of is like, uh, and I used to go to high school with the dude and like, he would always be dying off of this one quote, which was, uh, man, how'd you get fired on your day? Uh, how'd you get fired? Uh, stealing some boxes. If you're trying to build a clubhouse, <laughs> <laughs> oh man it makes you die every time um or by felicia that's where by felicia came from yep. you know uh it's just you know what more can you say about uh ice Cube? isn't that also? insane how by felicia became such a oh cultural in, like it's so many years after, over the last like yeah like yeah like it what? took what 25 years for yeah. it to become a thing that's exactly what it was right because uh, friday i think came out in 95 so yeah it took mm-hmm. about 25 years for everybody to be like wait <laughs> that's actually pretty funny <laughs> um and so yeah i guess maybe white people just discovered it you know some white person on reddit probably discovered it and was like hey guys bye yeah. felicia um that's funny <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh so obviously you know we have friday um one of my favorite movies of all time uh and, and honestly kind of shaped my childhood a little bit in terms of how i saw the world higher learning i think is highly hmm. underrated in the hood classic uh paradigm i don't even know if i'm using the right word there uh in the hood classic uh, ecosystem um uh higher learning i feel like it's truly truly underrated uh, but one of my favorite movies uh, of, of all time, and I don't say it has one of the best songs of all time, um, um, Ask of You by I think Raphael Sadiq was, was one of the hottest tracks oh, yeah. you'll, you'll, you'll ever fucking hear, man. It's so fucking dope. Um, but yeah, this one, uh, it's another uh, Omar Epps classic. Uh, Omar Epps is just all over the place in the fucking 90s. He was just, you couldn't, he couldn't miss in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, this guy, Omar Epps. Uh, but, but yeah, I just remember seeing, uh, I remember seeing that scene where it was like, it was like the, the, it was like the, and um, what's his name? Um, Michael Rappaport uh, plays like kind of like a, he's like kind of like the, the dude who's trying to either join the, like the Nazi group or like he is, I don't know, I forget exactly what it was, but I just remember seeing that being like, man, fuck that guy and fuck them too. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and it was just like, I like, I, I just loved the, how like Busta Rhymes uh, and like, I think it was Busta Rhymes and Ice Cube. They like were stomping the shit out of the Nazis and shit. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, very, very formative uh, or it, it formula. Uh, it, it formed my childhood very, uh, very deeply there. Uh, next on my list, uh, I will have to go with, of course, just the quintessential hood classic movie, Boys in the Hood. Uh, there, there can, you know, what's again, what more can I say than what I've already said about boys in the hood? Uh, it is every time you watch it too, it, it, it hits you a little different. Every time you watch it, you still fucking, you still weep a little bit, you know, uh, every time they get to that, that alleyway and you're like, fuck, don't run in that direction. And you know, it's just one of those movies where you're like, I wish this was somehow, I wish this was a different ending, even though I know exactly how it's going to end every single time. Um, and uh, and then uh, another movie that I feel like is a little underrated in the hood classic uh, pantheon. I, I don't know if I'm using the right words at all for this, by the way, uh, is Jason's lyric. Uh, yeah. 
I fell in love with Jada Pinkett Smith in this movie. All right. I just, I saw her in this movie. I was like, fuck you, Will. Why? This was the one? Why, Will? This was the one? This, who can not be mesmerized by Jada Pinkett Smith in fucking Jason yeah, she was good. I don't she understand. Was good. I, I don't understand how people like would be like, no, no, uh, uh, I wasn't mesmerized. No, of course you were. Of course you were. And she was mesmerizing in this film. Um, uh, and then uh, finally, uh, you know, uh, according to Addy, apparently this movie deserves no place on any list, but belly, like what the fuck are we doing? Of course, belly's on the list. What the fuck? How are we going to have hood classic movies and not talk about belly? That's a nonsense list. If it doesn't have belly on the list, I'll, I'll tell you that right now. Okay. Uh, but, you know, DMX, uh, Nas, neither can act very well. It doesn't matter. Fuck it. You know, <laughs> you got t in will- this movie. I will, I will, I will plead my case why one, this didn't make my list, but you have, apart from like two good scenes that you and I discussed, you know, the opening DMX's scene, uh, you know, towards the end, um, maybe, maybe the culmination of the entire thing with sin and Africa and like, whatever, like apart from maybe two or three decent, decent, I'm, I'm saying decent. I'm not even saying good anymore. Apart from some decent scenes, you had terrible acting. You know, you had terrible cinematography. And this is this is this is where I hated the movie. You took Hype Williams, who, for as a mastermind that he is at music videos, has never done another film after this. It just wasn't that good of a movie. The production wasn't good. I get why it, it can be on lists. I love the fact that they did have DMX, that they did have Nas. You know, like I, I loved that part of it. It just wasn't that good of a movie. That's all I'm saying. Just wasn't that good of a movie. Uh, preposterous uh, on all accounts. I, I don't. I don't even know how to argue this. Uh, you make uh, terrible points. Uh, yeah, of course it's bad <laughs> acting. It's fucking DMX and Nas. Like, what the fuck are we talking about here? Of course it's terrible acting, right? Uh, uh, you know, uh, and there weren't just two great scenes. That, the whole movie is it, honestly. I would argue that the entire movie is made up of scenes because of Hype Williams, right? That he's not. You know, he's not a feature filmmaker. You know. I mean, evident by what you just said of like he i don't think he's made a feature film you're since. looking at that as a positive i'm looking at that as the fuck is going on like oh, we, make this some coherent we, shit here my apologies uh no uh uh no but what, what i'm saying is, is it has nothing but just great scenes it's kind of like Zack snyder-esque right where great looking scenes uh, plot doesn't really make a whole bunch of sense right but great looking scenes these are great scenes you know that we're talking about like uh like um you know the the scene where uh, DMX uh, DMX is about to bone, right? And uh, there's uh, uh, there's all that blue lighting. That's like very hype Williams, you know, uh, kind of scene. But it looked fucking gorgeous. Did that whole scene make a whole lot of sense? Not not really. But also, I didn't no. need it to make sense. It's fucking belly. Like, come on. I would, what's the <laughs> argument here? Get out of here. Like, come on. Um, uh, okay. So uh, I say all that to say that uh, that's my list. There are some honorable mentions. I'll just go through two of them very quickly. Two that I just have to mention, right? Like they didn't quite make the list, but how can I not mention these two fucking movies, right? He got game. Come on. Yeah. How the yeah. fuck can we yeah. not go through hood classic movies and not mention he got game? Come on. Denzel Washington, Ray Allen, for some reason, uh, you know, although he did a great <laughs> job as uh, Jesus Shuttlesworth, right? That was his name in the movie, Jesus Shuttlesworth. Yep. Um, 
fucking it was it was just a great coming of age story uh and it doesn't really like leave you with any true deep like resolution which was fucking awesome right it's very sort of like uh it's very yeah. introspective movie uh in that it wasn't clean you know it wasn't a clean cut sort of thing you weren't really sure whose side you were on you weren't necessarily on uh denzel's side you weren't necessarily on ray allen's side right you were kind of like ah people just going through things which was uh which was fucking dope right uh, i movie. appreciate the game um had a dope fucking um soundtrack as, as as well um uh and so so yeah i can't i'd be remiss if i did not you know mention uh, he got game also an honorable mention has to go to do the right thing uh I, it was a little questionable whether i i think that this counts as a hood movie so to speak but I, nonetheless, I, I would have to mention it. Do the right thing. One of the most quintessential movies uh, of all time, let alone the hood classic movies. Um, Spike Lee uh, made one of the the, the more powerful and um, spot on movies. Uh, that this, you know, if you go back and watch Do the Right Thing right now, there's so many fucking parallels to like right yeah. now. You know, to shit that people are talking about right now that that's going on in, in society right now. Um, you know, uh, everything that went down with like Radio Rahim and, you know, obviously with the police, uh, you know, it's like that's airlifted from, <laughs> uh, from, you know, uh, you know, headlines from today, you know? Um, and so, so yeah, I, I would be remiss, uh, again, if I did not mention, uh, the film do the right thing, uh, in, uh, hood classics, long story short, that's our fucking list for top five hood classic movies. Let us know yours. What do you guys think? And what, what's, what's on your list? What do you, what do you, what are you thinking about for, for, for this list? Let us know in the comment section below. Uh, that being said, we got to get the fuck out of here. We are way fucking over time. I know Addy, you said you gotta, you gotta bounce by a certain time. My apologies for not hitting that time, but we had to hit that hood classic up. It was a very good conversation to have. Um, with that being said, uh, you know, we ran through a lot of different things today. Uh, one thing that we didn't get to was uh, the Elliot Page uh, news that we got this past week that uh, th- that I, I do still want to uh, visit. We just didn't have enough time to, to get to it today. Uh, so maybe we might pick that up next week. Uh, but I'm sure, you know, along with other things, we'll talk about uh, this. Quick thing. shout out to Elliot Page for having the courage to come out. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. There, there. That's kind of one of the aspects I wanted to talk about was uh everybody's kind of stating how they feel about it. But, you know, one thing that I don't think anybody can deny is is that like to put yourself in that under that spotlight, you know, um, but in in service of being your authentic self. Yeah. You know, who who the fuck can argue that that doesn't take a a shit ton of fucking courage because you are going to catch flack from everybody. Right. Uh, You know, both people, you know, you thought were allies and those who you definitely knew weren't allies. Right. Uh, You're, you're going to get it from, from every, you know, every direction um, in, in in that case. And so, uh, so yeah, nobody can, can state, um, you know, his, uh, his courage from from that aspect. Um, But we we might get to that another time. Alas, we do not have time today. Um, So, uh, so yeah, uh, you know, just to restate some of the things we talked about, we talked about Wendy Williams. We talked about uh, um, uh, Warner Brothers. Uh, we we also talked about uh, you know our, our hood classic movies. Also, obviously, our big you know press play for for Mank. Uh, we got that all in today, uh, and uh, and yeah, we will be back next week, same time, same place. I don't even know what that means anymore. It's it's all done. We all record this and then put it in later. So I, I, I don't know if that even holds true. Um, 
so so yeah with uh with, with all that being said i think we will uh hit the very usual protocol here fade out uh, you gotta be quicker with the fade out uh, i know we're working over zoom <laughs> all right, you were delayed <laughs> fair enough we'll be back <laughs>